Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Together, we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post game show after. Well, that was an interesting game. Uh, I think uh, most of you know that uh, when it comes to games where the Jets are bailed out by, the, by their goaltender or, you know, maybe their structure's not right, uh, you know, and they win a game a lot of times where they got get outshot and maybe the deserve to win a meter isn't necessarily in their direction. I know you usually come here expecting Rennie to kind of go off and, and, uh, and point out all the, the problems that he saw despite the win and, and you, and you should have come to expect that because I do that quite often. Um, you may be a little surprised tonight, though. I, I know I'm looking at this on Twitter and people are talking, you know, like the sky is falling. And I know on the broadcast uh, it was made to sound uh, uh, or it was determined in the broadcast that the Jets had had a really off game. I know my guy Joe Pascucci, uh, who I worked with for a time uh, under, uh, under at uh, Global news when I first started out in the industry way back in the uh, 2010s, or I guess it was, or b- before that, the 2000s. Anyway, um, he he'd said that this was, you know, Maurice era Winnipeg Jets hockey, a Jets hockey team that, you know, if they play like that tomorrow night, they're going to get destroyed by the Penguins. That may be true. The, the one thing I will say is I think a lot of what people are determining this game as being, you know, a, a terrible game is has something to do with the idea that in the last couple games, you know, against the win that they had against the Vancouver Canucks, the loss that they had against the Detroit Red Wings, a lot of people see that the Jets are still putting up goals. And I think goals satiate people. The way that this Jets team scores goals satiates people, uh, especially when you're putting up seven goals against the Vancouver Canucks. People look at that and when they come and they hear me going off on, you know, how that was not the kind of, that was not the blueprint. That's not the kind of what game you want to see. A lot of people are, are like, well, this guy just give it a rest already. They scored seven goals. What more does he want? Right? Well, what I want is, you know, a better defensive effort. What I want is a, a game that is more likely to give you success when, when the chips are on the table in the playoffs. And while I don't look at that game tonight and say, that's the blueprint. That's how you get things done in the playoffs. I contend that that game was a better game by the Winnipeg Jets than the last game that they played against the Detroit Red Wings and the game that they played before that against the Vancouver Canucks. I contend that that game was a step forward in the right direction compared to where the Jets came from. And I find it odd or at least interesting that everyone looks at that game tonight and and, and the, the sky is falling that was kind of like I felt like I felt like you know Jets Twitter was taken over by a master Rennie account and that yeah they won that game but everyone's being negative about it but but I would I would argue and I would implore people to see that just because they scored seven goals against Vancouver doesn't mean that tonight's game was a better game than that there we're still seeing you know similar efforts across the board where the Jets are to you know, in a lot of games, getting outshot, finding a way to win that game. Uh, more on that later. We got to talk about the whole Jets finding a way angle that we've been talking about so much this year. There may not be a team in the NHL that has found a way to win more games that they probably shouldn't have won this season than the Winnipeg Jets have. It's, it's becoming part of who they are. It's becoming part of their DNA. And to quite honestly, it's been part of their DNA for a long time, but, Think about this for a second. That last game that they played against the Detroit Red Wings, the Detroit Red Wings are the 23rd highest scoring team in the NHL. And the Buffalo Sabres are the number one scoring team in the NHL. What you saw from the Buffalo Sabres and the chances that they generated and created, that's Buffalo Sabres hockey. That's what they're capable of doing. They're a big, tough team that is also skilled. They push the puck to that slot. Now, did the Jets need to do better work protecting that slot? No doubt they did. To me, that's where they really fell down tonight, and that's where Connor Hellebuck rose to the occasion and stole this game. But I will say this. The Jets get two of their goals as they've got so many of their goals this year from the point because, you know, A, on Dylan Sandberg's goal, Blake Wheeler is absolutely stealing the goaltender's eyes. Um, then they get another goal uh, in which Pierre-Luc Dubois is stealing the goaltender's eyes. Basically, you're making a goalie blind and shooting from the point, and you're getting goals like that. Those kind of goals are what you want to do when you've got a hot goaltender and you want to take his eyes out of the equation. Their, their goaltender was great tonight, okay? Uh, the Buffalo Sabres goaltender had a great night. 
two of the goals that he gets scored on, he does not see, right? Well, that doesn't happen to Connor Hellebuck because the Jets, I, I will say this, the Jets did a great job of shutting down shooting lanes tonight. So the offense that the Buffalo Sabres did get while potent was in tight offense that Connor Hellebuck we've seen for years handles extremely well. Um, so what the Jets did was they at least gave their goalie a chance on this night to be to play the kind of game where he could steal the game. I love to say it like this. If you want a great example of why that kind of hockey is important, go back to last year when the Toronto Maple Leafs were up 3-2 on the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round of the series. The last two games of that series, game six and seven, the Tampa Bay Lightning completely and totally shut down every shooting lane. They don't let the pucks get to the net. And that allowed them to shut down the Toronto Maple Leafs and get into the next round of the playoffs. Uh, they did it to a degree uh, against the Colorado Avalanche and had some success doing that against them in the final. But if you go back and you watch that game tonight, I contend that all the shooting from the outside, the Jets shut it entirely down. And they did what the Tampa Bay Lightning were able to do against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Where they fell down was they weren't able to keep that puck out of the inside of the slot. And when you've got guys like Tuck and Tage Thompson, who I, I shouldn't even include him because I thought the Jets did a phenomenal job of shutting him down tonight. But that's where they got their stuff in. But again, I contend when he knows that the offense is coming from those spots, usually Connor Hellebuck does a good job shutting that down. All in all, I thought this was a good job of the Jets managing the game. They got the lead early. They 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 played defense. They went into the shell against a team that was pushing extremely hard. Um, and then when they finally scored to tie up the game, the Jets went down, activated their offense, got another goal. Same thing happens. Buffalo comes down. They tie it up. At that point of the game, I put it like this: the the Jets wait for that 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 killer. Now, I won't even say killer instinct because that's a bad mistake made by the Buffalo Sabres that ends up in the Kyle Connor breakaway. Shouldn't have happened. But this is a young, inexperienced team with a fairly young and an inexperienced back end. I think the Jets at that stage are just waiting for a mistake. And if you are going to tell me, if I'm a betting man and at that stage of the game, the bet is who is more likely to make you know a game-ending mistake. Is it the Winnipeg Jets? Or is it the Buffalo Sabres, the Winnipeg Jets who are contending for first in the Central and the Buffalo Sabres who are out of the playoffs despite being the most offensive team in the league? I put my money on the Buffalo Sabres making that mistake. The Jets put their money on that tonight. It was good money. They win the game because of that. This game is not as bad as people are making it out to be. And it's not as bad as people are making it out to be because I don't think the Jets expended a lot of energy in that game. And now they come play back-to-back, -back, come see... Uh, Pittsburgh, where I am right now, I think the Jets are a lot more prepared to win their game tomorrow against the Pittsburgh Penguins because of the way they played tonight. That's my take on it. Let's get the guy who's in Buffalo right now and saw that game live. I have no idea. Ken and I haven't talked about this. He may think I am way off, and maybe I am. I don't think so, but let's see what Kenny has to say about it. Here he comes. Kenny, my friend, I have found that most times this year, I my thoughts usually align fairly closely with Rick bonuses, which is why uh, when he got hired here, I kind of thought, you know, I knew right away the kind of coach he was going to be, what he was going to try and do. That's why I liked him coming here. Um, my thoughts don't align with his tonight. No. I think he had thought entirely that uh, that game against Detroit was a far better game. And when you see the stretches of dominance they had in that last game, um, I, I I think that's what he's talking about, but I think that the Jets managed this game tonight far better than they did that game last game. Uh, and uh, and Rick Bonus are on the and I are on the opposite side of that, and I'm okay with that. I don't have I have far less of a problem with this game that the Jets played tonight than I do with their previous two efforts. Yeah, I mean, I I'm 
kind of on the fence on this one. I, I thought that the Jets were better structurally in the first period. Uh, I thought they went out of their way to make it more of a low event game, but then they got a couple of crazy chances that they gave up. And it was one of those games where you could tell, Sean, I mean, we talked about this after the last game. Um, you know, the 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 off nights are few and far between for Connor Hellbuck and you know, Rick Bonus actually kind of went out of his way to say he didn't he didn't think that Hellbuck's last game was all that bad either. It just when a team scores six times on twelve scoring chances, it's not a great night for the save percentage, uh, which was seven twenty seven. But for me, I thought the structure was better early, but the breakdowns were worse. Does that make sense? I mean, I didn't think that they were. That's how Entirely. I viewed it. I mean, I think that the the Agreed. structural commitment was much higher. But when the Jets made a mistake, it was a doozy. Just um, just a quick point. The Jets were making mistakes forced by a team that is the number one offense in the league. Like the difference between the Detroit Red Wings and their ability to generate offense and the Buffalo Sabres is night and day. So I think what you're seeing is the, the mistakes look more egregious because there's a team that is more capable of capitalizing and creating opportunity off those mistakes. Yeah, no, that's that, that's totally fair, and, and certainly I, I would agree with that. I mean, this is a team that leads the league in, in goals four per game. So, uh, And I agree with you. I thought that the Adam Lowry line uh, and when Morrissey and DeMello were out there against Tage Thompson's group, I thought, man, they were really outstanding uh, all game long in Great. that game uh, in terms of keeping those guys very minimal in terms of – I mean, sorry, I mean minimal impact. I mean, that's that's – that's putting it mildly, I believe. So, the, the, t- sorry, just a quick one. You would have walked away from that game, and if you'd never heard about this Tage Thompson kid, right. you would have been like, <laughs> you wouldn't have been like, this is one of the up and coming guys. Like to me, he's starting to look like he's the future of American hockey, uh, and I didn't see any of that tonight. Well, there were a couple of nice dangles and stick handling maneuvers, but there weren't as many quality scoring chances. I mean, this guy's had. Um, you know, probably next to Connor McDavid, some of the most ridiculous highlight reel goals of the season. Uh, so yes, I do. With that in mind, I would say the Jets did an excellent job on that front. Connor Hellbuck was fantastic, which we expected him to be. Uh, he was really great, dialed in early, that which was not a surprise. Uh, you know, <laughs> vintage Connor Hellbuck fashion post game, Sean. When Mike McIntyre asked him about the game of Detroit. I wasn't thinking about last game. I put it behind me, like just vintage, vintage Hellebuck. And, um, you know, they needed him. They needed him to be sharp. He was excellent. And, man, what <laughs> the goal by Kyle Connor, uh, just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I would caution, I mean, I know what you said about, like that turnover can't happen, you're right. But Kyle Connor, who, you know, is not known for his defensive work, he made a very smart play to force Darlene to the backhand and then Ehlers makes a nice read. I think the, I don't know that the play, I mean, these guys are encouraged to be offensive. Having said that, they need to be a little bit more cautious when it comes to, you know, turnovers at the blue line. I'm with you on that one, but I think that was, turnover. it was a smart play by Kyle Connor. He forced him that he had no other play. He had no other play. He Basically. should have just ate it. He could have ate it and dumped it down low with the backhand, though, right? Like he tried. He, I think he tried. See, he, he tried to move the puck, and you could see halfway through moving the puck, it was like his brain was like, "No, don't go there. He's there." And then it fumbled off his figure. I mean, I thought Connor. I thought Connor might have got a stick on him and impeded the ability to put a little bit more oomph on it, but. You know, yeah, who I don't know. Uh, all I know is, like, we spent how much time in our last show talking about the egregious mistake that Lowry made last game. If that's an egregious mistake Lowry made last game, that mistake that Dolan makes at that time in the game when they've got all the momentum to hand over a breakaway that is like he could have camped out and had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich at center ice before he got up and kept on going down the ice. Uh, that that's that's uh, I, I mean to, to me what it is Ken is I go back to what I said in the beginning it's a young player right like I think the Jets are less likely to make a mistake like that yep. than other teams and I, I do think it's one of the reasons why the Jets keep winning games this year that we talk about well it wasn't their best effort like that's really becoming a theme and I do think you know we got to talk about that more later on in the show sure. because I don't think that Rick Bonus wanted that to be a theme. I think Rick Bonus thought that would stop being a theme by this point in the season. The whole, 
Well, it wasn't a Picasso, but uh, the Jets were able to pull it out. Like, at this stage, like, we're talking about three straight efforts that they had. And, you know, I'll, I'll even go further than that, and I'll say, you know, the game that they had against Calgary, the game that they had against Edmonton, there's so many of the wins in this little streak and a lot of wins early in the season that were, you know, well, the, you know, it wasn't their best effort and maybe they didn't deserve to win, but they found a way. We'll get into that. Let's just get into that now. The, the whole they oh, no, we got to go lamplighter. We got to go lamplighter, and then we will, let's go. We okay. will. Let's okay. do this just quick. The whole okay. Well, good teams find a way. I agree with that. Good teams find a way, and I think that this is a, this is a perfect little microcosm of it, right? The Buffalo Sabers are a team outside of the playoffs, right? They're in a tight game against the Winnipeg Jets. It becomes who's going to break first, right? The Winnipeg Jets win these kind of games because they don't break first, because they don't totally make a massive mistake and just hand it to the other team on a platter the way that the Buffalo Sabres did it tonight. That's why the Winnipeg Jets are a team that, you know, good teams find a way. But really good teams make their way. And I would say that there's just an, there's a, an insane, halfway through the year, there's an insane number of games that these Jets have played where they've found a way. But I just don't know that finding a way happens in the playoffs. They need to make their way. Now, we know that the Jets got to that. There was a stage of the season where the Jets got to that. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if them getting really offensive and then kind of wa- walking away from their defensive structure is the moment where I feel like they start losing that. I don't know if it's when all the injuries start piling up and then you've got different personnel moving in and out. But I think it's fair to say at this stage, it's been quite a while since we've seen the Rick Bonus uh, uh, blueprint uh, outside of the way that they used it when the injuries were really bad and they were finding ways to survive games and leaning on that system. Yeah, for me, I'm the opposite. I think that the ability to find ways to win when you are not at your best can actually help you in the playoffs because there's some nights where, you know, whether it's the other team's goalie standing on his head or maybe that team doesn't have its legs, you know, that ability to win games when you're not, you know, maybe operating at a you know, A-plus or A-level that can maybe set the tone for later on in the year. I mean, it's not something a team wants to lean on for sure, uh, but I think it's actually important in terms of giving you that muscle memory to say, you know what, you know, Connor Hellbuck is going to allow the Jets to stabilize maybe when they're not sharp out of the gate, which has been an issue that Rick Bonus reinforced this morning. And, you know, Rick's concern was it wasn't just one common denominator or theme for the Jets in those slowish starts. So... Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, they're going to have to play better um, in this next stretch. I mean, the games are getting harder in the second half. Everybody knows it. The players know it. The coaches know it. The management knows it. Everybody knows it. Um, the Sabres play a little bit of more of a freer game. They're a little bit loose defensively, which you know is why the game-winning goal is scored after a 2-on-0 is missed. And, um, you know, they go back the other way. There's a turnover. And, you know, next thing you know, it's 3-2 for the Jets. So... Uh, it's curious for me. I think that finding a way to win is important. I, I don't think that the Jets have been as reliant on trying to win with C and B-plus efforts this year, Sean. But I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, I am I think there's a whole bunch of things going on. I mean, this was the second time in as many games where the Jets had a late scratch. Someone who played skated in the morning and seemed to be fine in Morgan Barron uh, was unavailable due to illness and the flu that's been shooting through the team here. Um, you know, David Gustafson sits out with an upper body injury. Cole Perfetti dealing with an illness as well, limited to just over 9.37 in the game. Um, you know, what's going to have to happen tomorrow? The Jets have no extra forwards. Is one of those guys going to be ready to go? Will they have to go 11-7 and seven against Pittsburgh? Um, you know, it, it, there's a lot happening uh, on that front. And again, not excuses, but it, it is part of the reason the Jets seemed a little bit disjointed. Their lines were a little bit out of sync. Um, but that, to me, is another reinforcement of you know just how good the checking line was um, against Tage Thompson. And I thought that really Saku Menelainen had a, had a nice piece of that uh, in terms of his penalty-killing work and kind of physical nature and ability to get around the ice. and Drew a penalty. Yeah, I mean, you know, that hooking minor, you know, just from it was just an effort play. And, you know, Carson Kuhlman is a guy who has been given a lot of opportunities with the Jets so far. 
Um, no, he's on the ice late trying to protect the lead and finds himself with an empty netter. So, you know, who knows what that will mean for his confidence. He's not a guy who's known for his goal scoring, but I mean, that you know, no any time a guy can contribute, it's certainly going to help matters. But uh, I can't wait to get to Pittsburgh, Sean. It's going to be an interesting drive. We might have to go a little bit shorter here tonight to, so I can get to the same city as you. But, uh, man, I can't wait for the game tomorrow. Uh, I I would disagree with you on your take that the Jets didn't expend much energy. They look like a team that I agree that it wasn't like a super crazy high volume or a heavy game that would have taxed them physically. But uh, I do think that I'm not saying the tank is empty, but I think that they they're going to have to be doing a lot of refueling today in order to get ready for that uh, you know puck drop uh, in Pittsburgh against a pretty hungry. Uh, Penguins team that has sort of been scuffling a little bit at times. I know they're coming off a victory, I think, but um, I think the Jets are going to have to be better than they were today. I think it's funny. Rick Bonus, you know, you touched on it, saying that things evened out on this trip. He thought the Jets were much better and deserved better in Detroit, and they probably didn't deserve to win here in Buffalo. Um, you know, we know this all the time. A three-game road trip is a classic. You know, the Jets are one and one. It's either going to be a you know subpar trip or a positive one for them, depending on how they play in that third game, right? So yeah, we'll do I'll, I will say this: I don't think the Jets can for the rest of the year. They've used up any opportunity they have to talk about games they deserve to win. They've won far too many games this season. No, totally they fair. Deserve to. So uh, I don't think they can trot that out. No, but he was saying that they didn't deserve to win, right? I mean, that was he's no, making their point against Detroit. I'm just saying against Detroit. I didn't think they would deserve to win against Detroit. I thought they fell down early. They they sleptwalked their way into the game, and then they chased the entire time. And yeah, it, they looked like they were dominant, but it's because they were constantly activating, and activating comes with risk, and sure. they kept getting caught on that risk. So fine, you look great. It's basically you're playing Vancouver Canucks-style hockey. Yeah, the Canucks score lots of goals because they throw everything at their offense and put nothing on their defense. Well, that's what the Jets did last game. So I'm not impressed by the, oh, wow, they were dominant. They were rolling over that team. and Look how much puck possession they had and all that kind of stuff. I'm not impressed by it. They were playing a specific style that they wouldn't have been playing had they been up to nothing or shouldn't have been playing had they been up to nothing. And they kept getting burnt because they were playing that style, and that's why they never quite caught up in that game to, to me i don't care what anyone says i thought they deserved to lose in uh in detroit the deserve to win a meter if you're gonna take it and put, add in all the stuff about the puck possession how dominant they looked and all the shots and everything like that we'll say that but they put themselves in a position where they had to take it in too much risk and they got burnt by that risk they didn't build in that risk tonight which i thought allowed them to win this game which is why i think they managed this game better it's one of the few times i find myself thinking on the polar opposite side of Rick Bonus, um, he's got 2,600 games behind an NHL bench. So if you're wondering who you should side with, Rennie or Rick Bonus, <laughs> you should probably weigh that into things before you make up your mind. Kenny, you look like a million bucks. You look like a guy who heads on down to see Frankie and the boys at Vittorio Rossi. Uh, if you want to look like Kenny, uh, head on down there. Go see the boys on Corridon Avenue. Go see Frankie. Tell them, uh, tell them Kenny and Rennie sent you. Those guys will make you look like a million bucks. Kenny, time for you to share your lamp later with everybody. Oh, Kyle Connor's goal, uh, one of the prettiest. I mean, he <laughs> he does that with regularity, whether it's in practice or in games when he gets a breakaway. But like I said, I also think part of the reason why I'm, it's not just the filthy deke, the fake shot, backhand, forehand. Um, the one the one rare occurrence on that is that he had a toe pick and he kind of fell down yeah. when he went to the forehand and kind of like <laughs> banged into the netminder after after it already was over the goal line and uh, Kyle was kind of laughing uh, about that after the game but a good read on the defensive play and here's the other thing too like people say oh well that was cheating for offense that's not cheating for offense when not you see the puck is being turned over his job is to exert the energy required to leave him with a clear-cut breakaway and you know the inability for the opponent to catch him, right? I mean, uh, great read on both fronts and then does a great job of finishing what was... This is the ridiculous thing. And I mean, sometimes it's just, you know, sometimes game-winning goals can be a little bit like plus-minus because you can have what should have been the game-winning goal, and then the other team scores a six-on-five, 
and then the empty netter, you know, one of the two empty netters becomes the game winner. Kyle Connor scored his eighth GWG today, Sean, and yeah. that's in game 42. And these are not empty net specials. These are clutch goal-scoring performances in tight games, getting the job done when it matters most. And, you know, great pass by Ehlers to Springham and just an absolutely uh, beautiful move. Uh, that's my lamplighter brought to you by the good folks at TransCanada Brewing Company. Nicely done. And if you're interested in an eight-pack of Frosty Delicious TransCanada Brewing Company lamplighter Amber Ale, all you have to do is share with us your lamplighter of the game, your goal of the game. Just put it in the chat room or reach out to us uh, on our many socials. That's how you do it. But if you can't wait for Kenny and Rennie to give you your eight-pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale, head on down to TransCanada Brewing Company. Head on to their tap, tap room uh, at 11290 Keniston. Tell them Kenny and Rennie sent you. I saw earlier on one of our uh, viewers that headed down there on our word. Ken tried out the pizza and said, Kenny and Rennie ain't lying. This is great stuff. Kenny and Rennie never lie. We, Kenny and Rennie, you may not agree with the takes. You may think they're ice cold at times, but what we tell you comes from the heart. It's the truth. And with anything we've said about those frosty lamplighters or that uh, pizza down at TransCanada Brewing uh, is 100% from the heart. Uh, that said, our winner of the TransCanada Brewing Company, Frosty Delicious, Lamplighter Amber Ale, Eight pack is at Susan. I think it is S Z Y with four N's. Uh, she always, every game, religiously uh, sends me a direct message uh, with her um, with her lamplighter before the game. So I, I, I assume that she's a late listener. She always does it the game the day of the next game. She knows the rules. Has to be in before the game. Uh, the spinorama wheel landed on that, and she's the winner. So at Su- at Susan. Uh, I guess, um, uh, or season, maybe it's supposed to be season. I don't know. She knows uh, who she is and uh, and uh, what I'm talking about. Make sure you get a hold of me. You've only got a day now, right? There's a, a game tomorrow. I'm down here in Pittsburgh ready to do it. Uh, you've got until tomorrow before the game to direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. I need your full name, and I need an email address to send you your voucher for your frosty, delicious TransCanada Brewing Company Lamplighter Amber Ale. Congratulations, Susan. Uh, season, whichever you are. Kenny, uh, what is your gotcha covered Johnston group play of the game? Yeah, honorable mention Honorable mention to the block shot by Dylan Sandberg with his right hand that he had to shake out a little bit, but he finished the game uh, and played a, a you know quality quality contest just under 19 minutes. To me, it's the Adam Lowry hit on Tage Thompson for me. That absolutely, as Jeff Johnson says, set the tone early. Uh, I could not agree more. Uh, that whole sequence, you know, yes, Alex Tuck went over towards him. And after the after the whistle, I'm not sure if they caught it on TV or not. They probably did. Thompson came over, and Lowry's looking at him. He's like, hey, that's a clean hit. You had your head down. I hit you down low, and, like, there's no issue here. And I don't know that Thompson was necessarily complaining about it, but there was not one saber went anywhere near Lowry when it came to any kind of a retaliation. Well, well, Tuck went. Tuck did immediately, but the rest of the game, no one chased after Lowry and thought, but that's because they knew it was a clean hit. Well, yeah, knew it was a clean hit, but also I actually think it shows a little bit of maturity. Like one of the things I think the Jets always do well, and maybe it's because you've got Pierre-Luc Dubois on your team, is when things get heated, they don't retaliate. They try and retaliate on the scoreboard. Whereas we've seen games, I mean, remember there was a game, um, oh, it was the game where Logan Stanley held his helmet up in the air like that. And that that was one of those games where the Toronto Maple Leafs ran around the ice looking for retribution, and the Winnipeg Jets just kept looking for a win. Like, I thought they made it clear, yeah, it was a big hit, right? But you're right, it was a clean hit. And I think Alex Tuck went over and he made a deal out of it. But I think they weren't going to chase and put themselves in the penalty box in order to go to your point and, you know, get retribution for a clean hit. And I thought that was the smart thing to do. They kept themselves in that game and gave them an opportunity to come within that close of winning a game because of that. I thought that was a... I thought that was good. Um, I will say this, Ken. Uh, I thought that uh, usually I'm all on board with your gotcha covered picks. I think you're way off on that one. I don't know if it's anything. (laughs) Sorry, Josh Morrissey uh, stopping the wraparound. Well, the no place like home heel click save by Connor Hellebuck is insane. I mean, I don't know how he had the wherewithal to know 
that the puck was going in that direction, but he literally, like that puck is going in. I don't know that there's any other goalie in the world that knows where that puck is at that time. He's got a sixth sense, knows where it is, and clicks his heels together. The timing of it is like, it's almost like he caught that puck in between the two back edges of his skate and held it off that line. I don't know. I, I've he said he caught it in the peripherals is what, how he answered the after the That's, game when he was asked about well, it. Okay. And he had it. He looked at where the stick the was kind of, yeah. To see Crazy. that in the purple and do that, like that is to me the gotcha covered play of the game. A close second is the Josh Morrissey sealing off that post because that's in the net otherwise, if not yep. for that. Skinner's is, wraparound. And I should go back to that just to quickly talk about uh, the Jets and finding a way. That's also what finding a way looks like, right? Like we keep talking about sure. the Winnipeg Jets pulling off games like that. The compete level that they show to keep that puck out of their net at the end of the game is one of the reasons why they find a way. They find a way because they stop pucks from going in that other teams wouldn't because other teams wouldn't be putting in that kind of effort. So credit to where it's due. Uh, those are, I, I mean, one of those one of those games where the, the MVP of the Kenny and Rennie show is the Johnson Group got you covered play of the game because there was so many that we could have brought up and talked about uh, deservingly so on so many uh, uh, on so many players the haves. Um, hey, you won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find thirty thousand businesses with Chambers Plan employee benefits proudly administered by our friends. At Johnston Group, Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses, and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues, and Teladoc Teleservices are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. Ken, I know you'll have to leave soon, so why don't you give our sh- a shout-out to our main man, Sweet Lou, while we're at it? Sure, right on. If you're in the uh, realty market uh, looking to buy, looking to sell, uh, looking to see what your house is worth, looking to see what uh, houses down the street or in another area of town are, are worth, uh, check out our main man, Lou Ferlin from Royal LePage Dynamic Realty. 204-791-9971 or at the office, 204-989-5000. His email is lou at louferlan.ca. That's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N.ca. And his website is www.louferlan.ca. Lou Ferlan, out excellent human, excellent realtor, excellent supporter of the community we live in. Uh, you know what? I'll tell you. I thought this was an excellent comment here. He doesn't make many, so I got to give it a shout out. But T. Will says, nice to see Kenny looking <laughs> resplendent. I oh, love that word. word. Vittorio Rossi suit and ready managing to wake up long enough to show up in his jammy jams. Okay, I got it. Ah, good stuff. <laughs> uh, I'm going to hold off on the home field towards the end of the show. Ken, I wanted to get your take on Cole Perfetti uh, finding his way to the bench by the end of the night. What do you think landed? Oh, he's sick. Night? He's sick. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, Rick Bonus um, said he was one of the, I know Morgan Barron missed the game uh, due to illness, a flu bug. Uh, Perfetti uh, missed the start of the second period. Uh, not sure if it was stomach flu or something else. Uh, Rick, I think he was seen leaving the rink with a mask, uh, like a you know, COVID kind of mask. I'm not saying he has COVID. I think it's non-COVID. Uh, just saying he was trying to keep uh, keep the germs in. It looked like so. Um, I thought it was a game where Perfetti had very limited energy, and not surprising that he's another one of the guys trying to play through this uh, sickness and illness. Uh, I thought there were m- multiple stretches where it looked like he was trying, like the mind was willing, but the legs were not. Uh, so for me, uh, I thought that it was not a surprise when Rick said it right away. It looked it looked like he was battling through something. Um, you know, the good news for him, it wasn't an injury. Uh, we don't know if this is a 24-hour flu or whatever else, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. Like I said earlier, I mean, the Jets don't have an extra forward. Uh, Gustafson put on IR, Menelainen activated, but... Um, if they don't, you know, if I think they would have to consider 11 and 7 if Perfetti is, is unavailable uh, because, you know, their scratches tonight were Kappa Bianco, Morgan Barron, and Billy Hanela, who also was not uh, fully 100% um, still, even though he did take the warm up. But Kappa Bianco and Hanela took the warm up because there's going to be no morning skate tomorrow. So. Uh, any of the roster decisions will only learn, you know, probably, you know, two hours or so 
uh, before the contest uh, tomorrow. So it'll be interesting to see uh, where things are at on the, on the health front, that's for sure. Uh, so making his way through the entire team. Uh, Sean, I would also say too, I, I wonder about Mark Shifley. Mark Shifley only 16.52 of ice time, uh, which is which is pretty low. Now, some of that would have to do with the fact that you know one of his line mates was ill, but um, not sure not sure who's all dealing with this. We know it's kind of making its way through the Jets' room as a whole. Uh, but yeah, Perfetti with only 9:37, and he only he didn't have any shifts in the last uh, you know nine plus minutes, I believe. So uh, that'll be a storyline to monitor uh, throughout uh, the day tomorrow. Here, three shots on goal for Perfetti. So uh, one of the one of the th- storylines was. That line maybe overpassed a little bit the other night. Uh, Rick Bonus kind of reiterating that himself during the, after the morning skate. But I thought uh, nice job by Perfetti uh, to unload those three shots on goal that he had. Uh, Shifley had just the one shot on goal. Wheeler had three. So uh, you know, the Jets are going to need to find a little bit more uh, in the tank somehow. I mean, we know it's a busy stretch here. Um, <laughs> That's a good one, Andrea. That's a good one. I am in the visiting radio booth, but the lighting is not uh, not quite uh, what we're used to under the interrogation lamp here. But uh, it's interesting. I mean, there was a debate on Press Row here, Sean, before we found out about Perfetti. We were starting to wonder if the Jets and Rick Bonus might have to consider um, splitting up that top line to try to help get Mark Shifley going offensively again. Maybe Ehlers goes with Shifley and Wheeler, and then you see, you know, you decide what to do with Dubois and Connor because they continue to still make some things happen. I thought Ehlers, you know, another two assists here tonight for Nikolai Ehlers. Um, Pretty noticeable. uh, (laughs) Dale, I'm not in a hotel. I'm at the rink still. We're going to be getting in the rental car for the three-and-a-half-hour drive to Pittsburgh uh, shortly. There we go. There we go. Anyways, it, um, I'll be, be curious to see what happens uh, tomorrow, that's for sure. I thought uh, Dubois and Connor, again, had a bunch of just crazy... Du, Dubois had a couple of just ridiculous shifts where he had people dragging all over him, and the one where he cut he cut in the first period late, he just dragged two people with him and all of a sudden got to the backhand, and then there's a mad scramble in front. Uh, pretty remarkable stuff by that line. I mean, there were some defensive lapses for them also. Uh, but overall, they continue to uh, really start to mesh. So, I mean, Sean, we talked about this a lot last year. Should Rick Bonus keep that line rolling, or does he need to consider splitting the spreading the love and the wealth, and maybe trying to help get Mark Shifley a little bit of additional offense from Nikolai Ehlers? Uh, what, what's your take on that potential, especially if Perfetti is unavailable? I hate it. I hate that idea. Um, there's a lot of teams around the league that have like basically one big line and then like a somewhat capable second scoring line uh, and a third one. I, 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 I go back against this for the same reason uh, that when the chat was talking about um, and when you and I think I think most of the chat was behind you on this, we're suggesting um, to, to put Billy Hanel in the lineup and that he needed a stretch of games. And my take on that is like, if he earns those games, he can get a stretch of games. But Rick Bonus is not taking a player and putting him in, putting you know the development of that player, or trying to get a player going above everybody else. Like I think right now, that top line is putting the Jets in a position to win games with how they're playing. Nick Ehlers looks great coming out of that. I, I would not for a second consider taking Nick Ehlers in the fast fired out of a cannon start that he's had coming out of injury. We basically have to suggest, I know he played two games at the beginning, but he's essentially starting his season right now, and he looks like this starting his season. I'm not slowing that down. I'm not taking the heat that he's bringing right now and saying, okay, let's try and get it and and get it you know, working for, for someone else who's not going right now. No, I think it shows confidence in your team and in Mark Shifley to say, listen, with the top line scoring the way that they're scoring, we should be fine. If we can play our system, we're going to be fine defensively. If Connor Hellebuck can do what he does, we're going to be fine. And I think we're going to be fine because I've got confidence that Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler are going to figure this out. So I don't care if uh, Cole Perfetti is going out of the lineup. Mark Shifley is a big boy. He's a capable player. Uh, it's one of the stories we're going to talk about tomorrow. There's only two players in the NHL who have strung together more consecutive point-per-game seasons than Mark Shifley. There's two of them. You can probably guess who they are. 
but there are just two of them. Mark Scheifele is a big boy. He's going to be fine. He'll be able to figure it out. He doesn't need the charity of breaking up something that's working in order to get something else working. I mean, isn't that what something that Paul Maurice did back in the day? Uh, the whole idea of breaking apart that top line last season. We talked about it so much on this show. Let's split up Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois so that we can get Blake Wheeler and Mark Scheifele going. No, 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 no. They're going. Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois and Nick Ehlers have something. They've got something special. We've been raving about it since they got back together. Leave it alone. Mark Scheifele will figure it out. That's my take on the whole thing. Um, Hey, I just want to say this because we're going to be running out of time soon because who knows how long this is going to go. Uh, it's been called for In Bones We Trust as Let's Knock Out the Virus with a Renny headband edition of the KR. I love it. Great idea. Let's do it. Let's make it a Sean's headband version of the Kenny and Renny show. One of my favorite parts of this show is the digs coming from the chat room and Headstone says, hey, Sean, can I buy you a membership in the Dollar Shave Club? What's with the church? Michael, look. Um, I wanted to say... Freedom, baby, freedom. Have you ever seen that episode of The Simpsons where uh, Homer shaves his beard and does all that? Then he like walks away from the mirror and his five o'clock shadow puffs out right away. I'd like to say that's me. That's not me at all. This is like... I don't know. I don't know the last time the Jets were uh, uh, were at a game, but I haven't shaved since then. It takes me a little while to string a beard together. Had that beard at the beginning of the year, and the reason why it's such a heavy decision whether or not I should shave a beard or not is because I basically took like the whole first three rounds of the playoffs to grow it so that I had it for the last round. So I need to, I need a month's time to have a beard that does not look absolutely ridiculous. There's not that kind of opening in the schedule. Uh, so don't worry, this will be gone for tomorrow as we do a, and it's true, Ken, we talked about it, and you're going to be appearing on it, that's great news. We will be doing a hockey night in Canada on Friday version of the show tomorrow. Elliot's going to be in studio, Ron's going to be in studio, and they're going to be meeting with your boy Kenny during one of the intermissions uh, as uh, your boy Rennie does uh, some pregame hits and some uh, mid-period interviews as well. So a whole lot of Kenny and Rennie on Hockey Night in Canada tomorrow night. Um, <laughs> and Jennifer so, Botterill also on the, uh, on, the, on the panel tomorrow during the day, but I'll be on with Ron and Elliot in the second intermission, it sounds like. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Hey, let's attack um, this I, one quickly. Lawrence uh, sure. says, when was the last good game the Jets played? I mean, I know we get killed with recency bias, but I mean, how about the game against Tampa? I mean, yeah. it wasn't great, but it was pretty good. I mean, the, it, it was, was a 4-2 game. game. They were pretty good defensively. Good yes, game. yes, they had two five-on-three goals, but if if a win against the Tampa Bay Lightning doesn't qualify as a good game, uh, and that was only, you know, four games ago, uh, I would say the recency bias needs to, uh, you know, be kind of rooted out of the... Um, the equation here and even the game against Calgary. I mean, Hellbuck had to be really good. I don't know that uh, the flames game was all that terrible either. Anyways. So uh, for me, the jets need to play better. I mean, this hasn't been a good stretch. These last three games, I don't think are, or would be anywhere near the template, but um, I mean, it's a long season. I mean, they're not all going to be, uh, you know, run the other team out of the rink affairs. I mean, Buffalo Buffalo didn't play great today, but they generated a lot, and they're a team that is trying to figure it out. I mean, they have, they are, they're got, they're getting closer to the uh, type of game they want to be to be a playoff team. They're, you know, they may not get there this year, but they're trending upward. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Jets didn't play very well. We'll see how they play tomorrow. They're playing eight of nine on the road, Sean. So again, this is a huge stretch for them. Their home game against against the Arizona Coyotes Sunday. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, they got to play better, but I mean, it's not that long since the Jets have played a good game and they're still incorporating very important pieces to the puzzle. I mean, there were a lot of complaints in my DMs and on my mentions about the power play. I mean, man, <laughs> Nick Eilers has been on the first unit for six games this season. So yes, they have some work they need to do in the power play. They've barely been out together. So 
Uh, to think that they're just going to you know execute at fifty percent like the Oilers do, I don't think that that's very likely or a very re- reasonable expectation. The Sabers have the second best power play in the league, Sean. The Jets' penalty kill, which has been a humongous weapon for them, went five for five. So good I mean, tonight. Yeah, so I mean, let's, we, so we were chatting what, about Yeah, that, you dig in with what you forth. saw there and what you liked. Well, so this goes back to what I was talking about. And Ken, I actually wanted your take on this because this is something that I think you and I saw. I remember you and I talking about this. and I feel like we talked about it before a lot of people talked about it. But again, going back to that Toronto first round series against Tampa last year, you know, Toronto's on the brink of winning the entire series, right? They're up 3-2. And then the Tampa Bay Lightning are just like, yeah, sorry, you're not going to get any more clean shots on net anymore. We're just not doing it anymore, right? And and that's what I saw when the puck was on the outside. Uh, that's what I saw from the Winnipeg Jets. They were just not allowing shots. And I just think that that, that that's where their... their um, their penalty kill is translating to the rest of the game. Axel Janssen-Fialbi, Saku Menelainen, Stenberg, Adam Lowry, the Kuhlman. These are all guys that one of the best things they do as hockey players is they get out, they challenge the shooter, and they just do not give the shooter a clean shot towards the net. And that was huge on a night like tonight. And if you want to see how huge it was, take a look at Dylan Samber's goal again with with a wide open shot lane and Blake Wheeler in front of the net uh, screening the goaltender. And then take a look at the same thing with a fairly wide open shot by Josh Morrissey with Pierre-Luc Dubois standing in front of the net and screening the goaltender. That's how the Jets are generating a lot of their offense this year. So the Jets are doing that. You you have been all over this, Ken. I, I'm surprised you haven't brought it up tonight. But with the two goals they get tonight, the Jets now, just over the halfway point of the season, have surpassed their goal t- total from the back end last season. And they've done it in, in how much time? Never mind you know, all the points that they're producing with the shots that are getting redirected. Uh, but... but that the Jets are, are showing you that they will get and they will earn a certain kind of offense, but they will not allow you to earn that offense. We will not give you the shot from the point and the tip and the chaos and all those things. The, now what they've got to figure out is that, you know, the, the way other teams are pushing the puck to the slot and getting those those shots from the inside, right? I think you get away, you're not going to get away with that kind of stuff in the playoffs. They need to fix that. But one thing that they have right and they have really right is shutting down those shooting lanes. And that's the reason their penalty kill is as good as it is. And tonight uh, against, like you said, the second highest power play in the league, it was as good as we've ever seen it. Um, they are lights out when it comes to that yeah and obviously the goalie was their best penalty killer but i I love the structure they've been very uh, very aggressive sean i mean i also love too and i'm sure that you saw it during the game today i love the communication on the ice you have guys pointing each other with their sticks in lanes all the time and that communication is absolutely critical when you're going up against Power plays like the Edmonton Oilers, power plays like the Buffalo Sabres, power plays like we're going to see you in Pittsburgh with Crosby and Malkin and Gensel and Latang, like guys that have all kinds of all kinds of talent and all kinds of options. And you know, Tampa Bay, we should also say too, with their interchanges and their you know crazy options all over the map. I mean, so critical, so important. Uh, Dylan Sandberg's out there blocking shots. There was a very high compete level for the entire group. Um, yeah, it's an impressive, uh, impressive quality uh, for sure. I want to share this quote in case some folks didn't see it uh, on the post game. Donnie Granado with just an absolute beauty here. Hellebuck looked like a sumo wrestler with athleticism. He was good. He was big and solid, and we did have enough opportunity right down to the last one when they got their game-winning goal. We had two opportunities, actually. So it looked like we had a perfect chance to go up three two, and ten seconds later, you know how the, you know that how that happens, and it happened tonight. Uh, I haven't heard the sumo wrestler reference lately. I mean, that no. was a that was an absolute classic from Donnie Granado, who is a really insightful coach and doing a really good job with this group. Yeah, uh, you know what I love? I love when other coaches and other teams. Um, are capable of complimenting the team that they just lost to. Yeah. Right. It's it's one of the things that I think Rick Bonus 
uh, does well is uh, at, at times he'll come out and he'll say, hey, look, other teams are trying to win. You know, we're trying to do this, but they're trying to do that. And sometimes they do that. I like it because I think it shows confidence in your group. Um, I think it's one area where the Jets have, you know, always fallen down over the years. Like they're never really able to, you know, and, and, and I I think like if you go back to that series that they lost against the Vegas Golden Knights, like the entire time that they, they were, you know, falling further behind in that series, they just kept talking about, oh no, it's it's us and it's not them and blah blah this and blah blah that. And I think it just kept kind of feeding the fire for for uh, an amped up Mark Andre Fleury and an amped up Vegas Golden Knights team that was going up further in the series, and the Jets just weren't giving them their due, right? And the next thing you know. Uh, you're out of the out of the playoffs. Um, I just I like coaches. Uh, you know who else is really good at that? Jared Bednar. Jared Bednar is a guy who uh, last year when we covered him in the Stanley Cup final and all throughout the playoffs is a guy who definitely will take a look and he'll tell you straight out the other team did this really well. They won because they did this. They did this better than than us. And he'll, he's still able to say at the same time, I like dark game. There's a couple things that we need to do and do differently. And if we do them differently, I like our chances, even if that other team plays like that. But I think it shows confidence uh, when another coach is able to say that. So for Granado to come out and like be complimentary about those things, I think it's okay to do that. I think more teams need to do that. And I think the teams do do that are usually teams that are confident enough in themselves to say the other team played well, not, oh, well, we shot ourselves in the foot or it's our fault. We should have won that game, right? Sometimes you got to give other teams their due. And on this night, if you're not giving Connor Hellebuck your due, you look a little kind of crazy if you're not doing so. Um, Ken, I should uh, roll. Or you what should you roll. Thing left? I don't have anything left. I thought maybe we should. Uh, no, you know what? It's time for me. I'll hand out the home field uh, award. Let's get that done here. Let me just bring this comment off the screen quickly here. I know where I'm going with the home field award. Uh, right off the top of the show, I was actually surprised to see this comment because it was all, basically everything I was going to say for my opening. But Russ Lowen says, I know this won't be a popular take, but versus the high scoring team in the league on the road with the flu going through the room, I liked our game tonight. I know it's not a popular take. I'm with Russ here tonight. I don't think this is as bad as everyone thought it was. And again, I will contend that of this kind of, I mean, the Jets have now what won, what, six out of seven games? I yep. think of a lot of those wins, this game is really not far off of and ahead of some of those wins that we saw. So for that reason, Russ Lowen, you have won yourself a dig deeper shovel from the folks at home field by digging deeper in this show. All you got to do is send a direct message to me at SN Sean Reynolds, and I will send you your voucher for your dig deeper shovel. Appreciate that. Great job. Uh, thank you chat room for doing what you do. Kenny, great job. Uh, stay safe on the road. And just before uh, we leave, I'm going to end this the way I always do. If you appreciate the conversations that are happening in these spaces with shows like ours, Winnipeg Sports Talk and Illegal Curve, please appreciate and support the sponsors that are fighting to keep these conversations alive in these spaces for us. That's Vittorio Rossi, the TransCanada Brewing Company, the Johnson Group, Lou Ferlin, and Homefield. Thank you so much to them. Thank you so much to you. Another day of the chat room rocking it. Looking forward to doing it all over again tomorrow night when the Jets play a back-to-back -back game against the Pittsburgh Penguins for a special Hockey Night in Canada edition happening on a Friday night. It's like nothing you'll have ever seen before. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to it. See you tomorrow, Kenny. Safe travel.